the issue with Russia when it comes to the United States is that we could get pulled in is that we could get pulled into a war with them to defend US allies in the region or to try to you know deter escalation or something else like that. The US could get pulled into a broader war with Russia. And when it comes to Russia, that's basically the extent uh, of risk with them. With the Chinese Communist Party, it's different. The Chinese Communist Party is talking about actual invasion of U.S. soil. The Chinese Communist Party is talking about really aggressive, uh, really aggressive war plans, including previously even the use of nuclear weapons against the United States, including the use of biological weapons against the United States, including, for example, their development of, of biological weapons that can target specific DNA strands. They've talked before about getting the lower 48 states, meaning that they want to wipe out the U.S. population and gain control of U.S. soil. Their war plans and their discussion on it is extremely aggressive. What the Chinese Communist Party is talking about is beyond anything that I think even we've heard since like, you know, maybe Alexander the Great talking about conquering cities and burning them, burning them to the ground and salting the ashes. It's, the, the CCP's level of rhetoric is beyond anything. And it's shocking that more people don't mention this because I, I assume they do it out of financial interest because they make a lot of money in China. They don't want to call out the CCP. The CCP is more aggressive than Russia. They're more belligerent. They're making stronger threats. And now they actually might move on some of these. Folks, let me show you first off The Guardian. It says, China's leader Xi Jinping secures third term and stacks inner circle with loyalists. Anyways, the analysis going around right now is that Ch the Chinese Communist Party may move to take Taiwan very soon. On an accelerated timeline is what Blinken is saying. And also talk about how the CCP is preparing for war. They have a strategic opening right now. The U.S. military is weakened. We've basically dissolved a lot of our strategic oil reserves. We're divided domestically and we're divided politically. Uh, we've used a lot of our weapons, given them to Ukraine. The, we've, we've depleted a lot of our arsenals. Our military can't recruit enough people. Uh, things are not looking hot for us. And we're heavily focused. Right now, we're so focused on Russia, even as a proxy war, that we're losing a lot of our key resources that we would need to launch a real war. If the Chinese Communist Party were to do something very drastic right now, it would be kind of easy for them to do it, especially if Russia were in fact to use a low yield nuclear weapon, or even if, even if Ukraine were to use a low yield nuclear weapon. If that were to happen, the entire West would be focused on that. And if China did something very drastic at that time, like for example, try to invade Taiwan, uh, that would be a strategic opening that would have not, not nearly as much repercussion. That's where we are right now. Hey, welcome back, everyone. I want to talk today about some of what's happening with China and with Russia. Of course, some of you may have saw that Xi Jinping just got a third term in office. Uh, it's China, right? So it's a little different than maybe we think about a presidential election. But this is, this is actually pretty significant. I'm going to be going into what is going on in China, what, what happened with Xi Jinping, 
escorted out his main well, rival enemy on the Jiang faction, Hu Jintao. Uh, what also happened with the, you know, the, with the nature of him getting a third term and what that means for the future as the Chinese Communist Party also shows signs of really preparing for war right now. Um, also, folks, Russia is talking about nuclear war. Uh, they're suggesting now, this is kind of the new stage of it, they're suggesting, claiming, even including making high-level phone calls, that Ukraine is planning to launch a false flag nuclear attack on its own soil using what they say is a dirty bomb. And, uh, you know, of course, a lot of people are taking that as being Russia basically spreading disinformation to uh, kind of steer away the blame if it were to launch such an attack. Uh, this is kind of the nature, I think, of, of modern warfare. Uh, modern warfare very well so does traditional warfare but modern warfare very often has a ruse you will do something to make people believe that may maybe something did not happen or maybe it was somebody else who did it and then when it does happen people are confused it, it, it lessens the ideological blow when an incident does take place and right now a lot of this is really going around nuclear war Remember they were talking about using localized nuclear weapons? Well, this would be a perfect example of that if they were to do it. Folks, that said, um, those of you wondering where I'm at, I'm actually kind of on semi-vacation right now. I will, be, I will be doing the shows, so don't worry, uh, but uh, taking a bit of uh, relaxing time, <laughs> a, little, a little more relaxing. I'm actually at my mom's house, uh, so traveling right now. All right, folks, uh, also, those of you on YouTube or Rumble, we will jump over exclusively to Epic TV after about 25-ish minutes. So, again, if you, don't have a, if you don't have an account yet, please join us there. I do an hour-and-a-half show. We do questions there. It's always a great conversation. And you also help keep this show going because right now with YouTube, it's, YouTube does not like me one bit. Let's put it that way. Uh, they randomly deleted the Crossroads Highlights channel. They censor us. It's just, there's no future on YouTube. You know, I, I, I just do it because well, you're all here. So I like, like doing the show for you all. Uh, folks, that's it. Let's jump into the first story for the day. Let's talk about Russia. And it th it's threatening, it's, it, right now it's threatening to use a dirty bomb while claiming Ukraine is threatening to use a dirty bomb. A lot of people think this is Russia clearing the kind of clearing the way for its own use of such a weapon. Let me explain this. So this is Politico right here. I'll show you the first one. And it says Russia defense chief makes unfounded claims of Kiev ready to use dirty bomb. Uh, it's Politico. They like to use this whole unfounded claim, unfounded claim. It's it's become a boy who cried wolf type thing where they claim everything is unfounded claim, unfounded claim, even sometimes when it is a very well-founded claim. In this, case, in this particular case, um, I wouldn't say it's totally unfounded. I would say there is some foundation to it. Uh, Zelensky himself was calling for, you know, re, what do you call it, um, a preemptive counterattack on Russia in context of nuclear weapons. And so you, it's, it's not unfounded at this point. It's, Politico is making just politicized statements by saying that. But let me explain a bit further. It says, Russia defense chief makes unfounded claims on Kiev to use, ready to use dirty bomb. It says, Russian defense minister Sergei Shogu on Sunday had telephone calls with French, British, and Turkish counterparts in which he made unfounded claims that Ukraine might be prepared to use a dirty bomb, according to Russian readouts of the conversation. 
It says the conversations took place after Russian President, President Vladimir Putin recently raised the prospect of using nuclear weapons in the war he launched against Ukraine. And after Shogi face, Shogu faced intensifying political pressure over a series of disorderly re, uh, retreats in Ukraine, uh, the, now it says the calls came as Russia continues a mass evacuation of civilians from occupied Kherson in southern Ukraine. And defense analysts believe that the moment of people, the mo the movement of people is setting the scene for Moscow to withdraw its troops from a significant part of the region. But among EU diplomats, European Union diplomats, there are fears that Moscow is only setting the scene for things to get worse. And it's saying the Russian readout of the call with UK Defense Minister Ben Wallace talks only about the risk of a dirty bomb says, however, in none of those readouts does Moscow provide any evidence of its claims. Now, what is the evidence of the claims? Basically, both sides are threatening to some extent to use nuclear weapons. If you remember, there was the Chechen leader working with Russia, of course, who was calling for Putin to use nuclear, a localized, low-yield nuclear weapon in Ukraine. One of the reasons is they're losing the battles in a few key regions. Russia does not want to lose those battles. And of course, if Russia is in a state where they can't really, Russia cannot lose this war. Let's, let's put it that way. They, they do not have the option to lose this war. This war is going to have long-term implications for the entire world, whether it's oil and gas to Europe, whether it's international relations, whether it's Russia's trade with Western countries in general. Uh, this, is going to be, this is going to have a very long-term impact on Russia. Russia, Vladimir Putin, even very likely will face war crime charges if, for example, he loses this war. His life depends on winning this war. So he, can, he cannot lose this war. His only hope, his best hope, would be to have some kind of peace talks. But, of course, that would be very difficult because the West is actually trying to prevent that from happening. Meaning he cannot move out. He cannot fully retreat. And if, you, if you're losing a battle in a key area and you're forced to retreat, and it looks like you're going to lose maybe the war because of a key battle, and you're losing troops, what do you do? <clears throat> well, they're talking about using low-yield nuclear weapons. The, the threats on the Russian side are very, very real right now. Uh, this is not just random talk. This is, this is very real. These threats are very real. At the same time, given that Russia was threatening to use nuclear weapons on Ukraine, Zelensky in Ukraine is calling on the West to launch preemptive counterattacks. Now, that's a George Bush era type slogan, preemptive counterattacks, meaning, well, it's, it's not a, it's not a counterattack if it's preemptive. It basically means you hit them before they can hit you. That, that's the idea. And he's arguing that if Russia is planning to use nuclear, or talking about using nuclear weapons in Ukraine, then the West should use nuclear weapons against Russia. Given that situation, that's where we are right now. And Putin is suggesting now that Ukraine may, again, launch a false flag attack on its own soil. They're removing citizens from this region already, meaning that the civilian casualties will be minimum, uh, minimal. Uh, at the very least, the, the ones who do choose to remain will be the ones who chose to remain knowing the threats they were facing. And also, it appears that Putin is pulling out some of his own troops, suggesting that he's either anticipating an attack or he's planning an attack. 
Now, given that situation, why would Ukraine launch a false flag attack and you know basically launch a dirty bomb on its own soil? To be honest, when you're dealing with modern warfare, I wouldn't put anything beyond them, especially a country with corruption as significant as they have. It wouldn't be unheard of. Now, would Ukraine do this? It's possible. Let's just be honest with ourselves. Um, it does appear that that it does appear the West was the well the people who destroyed the Nord Stream pipeline. All the evidence points to it. People, are, the, the narrative that Putin destroyed the Nord Stream pipeline is based solely on the idea that Putin technically would have the capabilities for it. There's no evidence suggesting they actually did it. All the evidence points to the West. Would they launch a similar attack if, for example, there were no civilian casualties? If, for example, even troop casualties were minimal because they could pull people out? And if, for example, it could win them the ideological war, yes, practically they could. And they could also do it with a dirty bomb, which would have a minimal impact, a very localized impact, uh, meaning it would basically make that region unsettleable. You would, you would lose the ability to deploy anybody to that region. People would not be able to live in that region for a good long while. You could do some big We Are the World cleanup campaign and do a whole big show about it. Strategically, it makes sense for them as well. I'm not saying either of them is going to do it. I'm not supporting either country over the other. I'm just saying that's the reality of it. And both countries may do it. If both countries may do it, you have a, you have a veil of plausible deniability under which either of them could do it. And so I would, I would take these threats actually very seriously right now. Now, given that situation, the West is arguing that it's Russia planning to do this. The Guardian says this. They're saying West makes plans to avoid panic if Russia uses nuclear bomb in Ukraine. Now, the preparations they're making are not counterattacks. Under the Cold War, basically, there was, there was the, you know, the policy of nuclear Armageddon. We're a country to use a nuclear weapon. In fact, the United States even threatened the Soviet Union if the Soviet Union was going to use nuclear weapons on China against the Chinese Communist Party, which they wanted to. And the U.S. basically told the Soviet Union at the time, uh, which is, of course, you know, led into modern-day Russia, told the Soviet Union at the time that the U.S. would still counter any kind of nuclear attack, even if it was against the Chinese Communist Party, suggesting how broad the no-use policy is and how broad the essential assured, assured, uh, what do they call it, the assured destruction, uh, you know, policy. They no longer have that. They're no longer threatening that. Meaning that if a country were to launch a nuclear attack right now, it would essentially be allowed to happen. There would be other types of repercussions, possibly even dragging in Western military forces. And right now you do have U.S. troops being deployed very close by. This could very easily turn into World War III, in other words. This would not be like global nuclear war, but this would turn into very likely a, a type of World War III scenario. Now, The Guardian says this. They say, Western officials are engaged in prudent planning behind the scenes to prevent chaos and panic in their home countries in the event Russia was to detonate a nuclear bomb uh, in or near Ukraine. And it says further, and towards the end of last month, Jake Sullivan, the U.S. National Security Advisor, said there would be catastrophic consequences for Moscow if it sought to deploy a tactical nuclear weapon, which can have the power of six or seven Hiroshima blasts. 
very likely it wouldn't be that big, but they, they saying, they're saying hypothetically it could. The West does not want to spell out how it might respond to preserve a de deliberate, amb sorry, deliberate ambiguity, meaning they don't want to say exactly what the West would do because they want to keep Russia guessing. They might do nothing. They might act very strongly. But they say on Friday the official would not be drawn would not be drawn on what nuclear-armed countries might do. But the expectation is that to avoid rapid escalation, any initial response would be non-nuclear. So there you go. They would not retaliate with nuclear weapons if the attack were to take place. They're claiming they would, they would retaliate in other ways. They're not saying how they would retaliate. How would they retaliate? Well, frankly, the West has been kind of toothless with this stuff. You can look at how the United States reacted even with the Chinese Communist Party took, took Hong Kong and did democracy in Hong Kong. Uh, what would they do, for example, on this case? Well, they haven't shown their teeth. They haven't demonstrated any kind of strength or any kind of willingness to do much. And so Russia might take that as, as an opening to do something very drastic. Now, it says the French president said the country's fundamental interests would be in, would, wouldn't be directly affected at all, for example, if there was a, bla a ballistic nuclear attack in Ukraine in the region. So France is out. They wouldn't do anything, essentially. Earlier this week, Jeremy Fleming, the head of the, uh, the, head of the GCHQ spy agency, said he had not seen any sign that Russia was preparing to use a tactical nuclear weapon in or around, in or around Ukraine. So GCHQ, intelligence agency, is suggesting that even the idea that Russia may use a nuclear weapon is disinformation. You know, there's no evidence of it. So there's, it's a groundless claim in the same way they're claiming Ukraine is a groundless claim. Now, they're saying it is his agency's job to help monitor Russian military movements and whether its military was trying to pair a, nu pair a nuclear warhead with a conventional missile. Experts generally believe that Putin is engaged in a bluff, trying to provoke fear and uncertainty in the West to ensure that the U.S. or NATO does not enter the war on Ukraine's side. In other words, they're arguing that Russia appears to be using this as a type of uh, ruse to stop more to stop further escalation ironically by threatening extreme escalation now you decide what it is folks i won't go further on that uh, but i want to go deeper into what's happening now in china because the chinese communist party is talking about uh, launching a full-scale war and if you remember we talked about previously the chinese communist party does have war plans uh, that right now suggest they want to get the u.s involved in four separate wars Russia would be one war. Uh, terrorism, they're saying, would be another war. You can look at what happened with the Taliban and the Taliban getting armed to its teeth again. Iran having some pretty serious localized conflicts, really a brewing revolution. And also the possibility the CCP could get someone else involved. But regardless of that, Xi Jinping has now won a fourth term in office. Xi Jinping is, he will soon have to demonstrate his strength and that's going to that's going to have to take some kind of form the real concern the real concern now is that xi jinping now having this you know third term which is unprecedented uh will do something drastic including possibly launch a war and he is talking openly about it the chinese communist party is openly talking about this technically if you go by their own doctrine they say they're already in a war all right, folks, that said, before we go further, we do have a sponsor today. Today's episode is brought to you by Secure. 
Over 155 million Americans are affected by data leaks in 2020. The average American had their personal data stolen about four times over the year. People get anxious because they can't protect their online data or online activity. But now there's a new email and messenger app called Secure. That's S-E-K-U-R. That can give privacy and security for sending emails and messages. The Secure server and data center are hosted in Switzerland, which has the strictest data privacy laws in the world. Secure does not rely on big tech companies like Amazon, Google, or Microsoft, which also means it's not subject to the intrusive cloud act. Secure does not ask for your phone number, mine your data, or upload your contacts. It functions by adding people you know, then adding the secure numbers, and of course, you can send people invites. Now, folks, it's only $5 for the messenger, $10 for the, sorry, $7 for the email, or $10 for the email and messenger package. You can uh, go to secure.com today for a free seven-day trial, or you can use the promo code Joshua to get 25% off. And folks... Big thanks out to Secure for sponsoring today's episode. Now, folks, that said, let's talk about what's happening with the Chinese Communist Party right now. Because in some ways, the Chinese Communist Party could be a larger threat than Russia. Russia, you could say, is a localized threat. Russia is not technically a threat to the United States, unless you talk about unconventional war. My mom's cup. Unless you talk about unconventional war. Uh, they're talking about in terms of their actual military doctrine and what they want to accomplish. They want to control the Eurasian region, but not much of a threat beyond their own borders. The issue with Russia when it comes to the United States is that we could get pulled in is that we could get pulled into a war with them to defend U.S. allies in the region or to try to you know deter escalation or something else like that. The U.S. could get pulled into a broader war with Russia, and when it comes to Russia, that's basically the extent. Uh, of risk with them. With the Chinese Communist Party, it's different. The Chinese Communist Party is talking about actual invasion of U.S. soil. The Chinese Communist Party is talking about really aggressive, uh, really aggressive war plans, including previously even the use of nuclear weapons against the United States, including the use of biological weapons against the United States, including for example, their development of of biological weapons that can target specific DNA strands. They've talked before about getting the lower 48 states, meaning that they want to wipe out the U.S. population and gain control of U.S. soil. Their war plans and their discussion on it is extremely aggressive. What the Chinese Communist Party is talking about is beyond anything that I think even we've heard since like you know, maybe Alexander the Great talking about conquering cities and burning them, burning them to the ground and salting the ashes. It's the the CCP's level of rhetoric is beyond anything. And it's shocking that more people don't mention this because I, I assume they do it out of financial interest because they make a lot of money in China. And they don't want to call out the CCP. The CCP is more aggressive than Russia. They're more belligerent. They're making stronger threats. And now they actually might move on some of these. Folks, let me show you first off The Guardian. It says, China's leader Xi Jinping secures third term and stacks inner circle with loyalists. There's a bit more nuance to this than what a lot of the legacy and corporate media are saying. The idea that he's stacking his you know, inner circle with loyalists. It's, it's a little more complicated than that, but folks, but let, let me explain to you what's going on with this. Now it says, 
Xi Jinping has been confirmed as leader of China for a precedent-breaking third term. After a week-long political meeting, eliminated key rivals and strengthened his political power. The 20th Party Congress, the most important meeting of the ruling Chinese Communist Party five-year political cycle, saw about 2,400 delegates gather in Beijing to rubber stamp major reshuffles and constitutional changes before its official close on Saturday. At a press, at a press event on Saturday, sorry, on Sunday, seven key Xi loyalists were revealed as members of China's most, most powerful political body, the Politburo Standing Committee as they walked on stage in order of rank. Now, there were some big things people noted that took place. One of the big things that happened, for example, was that Hu Jintao was escorted out of the building. Hu Jintao was the former Chinese Communist Party leader just prior to Xi Jinping. If you go by the leadership, there was Deng Xiaoping, Hu, there was Deng Xiaoping, Jiang Zemin, Hu Jintao, and now Xi Jinping. Deng Xiaoping did the whole opening up to the West, the whole, uh, the idea of economic reform in China, while at the same time using the slogan of hide your strength and bide your time. Uh, his, the saying he used was that black cat, brown cat, or something like that, if it catches mice, what does it matter? In other words, the goal of the CCP to attack, to defeat the United States eventually, was always in place. Even though Deng Xiaoping put on a cowboy, uh, yeah, put on a cowboy hat, and tried putting on a big show like he was opening up China to the West and like he was a big friend of Western countries, uh, a lot of Americans unfortunately were eating out of his eating out of his hand, while he maintained a lot of the Maoist policies that they want to destroy the United States, and Deng Xiaoping behind the scenes and in, including in just in Chinese writing at the time wasn't hiding it very well, but did make it very clear that was the intention. Um, after Deng Xiaoping, of course, uh, Jiang Zemin came into power. He rose, to, he rose through the ranks, actually through the Tiananmen Square massacre. Jiang Zemin also started the persecution of Falun Gong and started a pseudo kind of pay-to-play system of getting into power within the CCP where you had to get blood on your hands. You had to commit atrocities if you wanted to raise, rise through the ranks. After Jiang Zemin was Hu Jintao, and Hu Jintao was always a puppet. Hu Jintao never had full power within the Chinese Communist Party. It was basically seen that, Hu, that uh, Jiang Zemin was still pulling the strings. Jiang Zemin still maintained power behind the scenes, even during Hu Jintao's reign. After Hu Jintao, Xi Jinping stepped in, and Xi Jinping was kind of considered an outlier. Uh, he's not really well educated. He comes from the country. Uh, he was kind of seen as just a temporary hold. Uh, then, of course, he didn't play. She, he didn't play Jiang Zemin's games. He did not go along with the Jiang plan, which started a very strong faction battle. That faction battle on the on the Xi Jinping side took the form of things like, for example, uh, the anti-corruption campaign, where Xi Jinping was going after members of the Jiang faction, arresting them, accusing them of. Uh, you know, embezzlement or fraud or whatever else. Look, I'll let you on a secret. Almost every Chinese official is involved in embezzlement or, or fraud. So they could use that excuse to go after anybody. And, and of course, the way, the way that Jiang Zemin set up the power structures in China, you would rise to the ranks by getting engaged in human rights abuses and stuff like that. So every one of them, every one of them could be purged. Every single one of them. 
Now, the Jiang faction was trying to assassinate Xi Jinping multiple times. Xi Jinping did not get assassinated. And Xi Jinping in this latest move really kind of moved the final chess pieces, it looks like, and pushed out the Jiang faction. This was a serious, what you witnessed just now, him having members of the Jiang faction escorted out, uh, was a really, really telling sign that Xi Jinping is done with their faction, that they're out, and you're going to have now a more consolidated, more focused Chinese Communist Party. Given that, it should be noted that even inside China, the power structures are not just government. The power structures are not just CCP leadership. The power structures are military, their intelligence, their people's armed police, they're even businesses. In fact, some of the major real estate holdings are under the Jiang faction. A lot of people believe that's why Xi Jinping has done has taken moves to destroy parts of the Chinese economy. Uh, when, for, I mean, I'm not saying this is the case, but I know there are people who say this. Maybe it's true, but maybe it's not. People, a lot of people are saying the re, one of the reasons Xi Jinping has gutted certain parts of the real estate industry, for example, is because a lot of that was under the was under the Jiang faction. A lot of the surface stuff you're watching is not really about what's happening on the surface. A lot of it's about what's happening beneath the surface. And the surface stuff is just a phenomenon that you're witnessing that's showing the effects of what's happening beneath, behind the scenes. Now, given this, what does this mean? A lot of people talk about Xi Jinping as a dictator and Xi Jinping as being, you know, the walking the steps of Mao Zedong and Xi Jinping basically changing the status quo in China, and you have a lot of people saying that he needs to step down and so on. Folks, it won't make a difference. The Chinese Communist Party is still the Chinese Communist Party, no matter who's there. And none of them are good. You, you, could, you could have anybody at the head of the CCP. You can, <laughs> maybe like Winnie the Pooh. Uh, you can have anybody there. And it's going to be the CCP regardless. The Chinese Communist Party does not function like some Western country. The Chinese Communist Party has very clear agendas, very clear ide a very clear ideology, and the nature of it is not going to change no matter who is there. And so a lot of the people just focusing on Xi and saying he's the problem, yeah, that's, that's partly true. But look, the CCP is going to be the CCP even if he's gone. The CCP is going to be the CCP no matter who steps in to take his place. The problem is not just Xi. The problem is the Chinese Communist Party. The real big thing with what's happening now, though, is you're going to have a more focused Chinese Communist Party. You're going to have a Chinese Communist Party that may be dealing a little less with internal fighting and can focus a lot more on external fighting. And that's the big concern with what just took place. All right, folks, I'm going to go deeper into this because right now, basically, what I just said is kind of the analysis going around. Anyways, the analysis going around right now is that Chi the Chinese Communist Party may move to take Taiwan very soon on an accelerated timeline is what Blinken is saying. And I want to go deeper into this, folks. For that, though, let's jump over to Epic TV exclusively. I'll go into this. We'll talk about it and also talk about how the CCP is preparing for war. They have a strategic opening right now. The U.S. military is weakened. We've basically dissolved a lot of our strategic oil reserves. We're divided domestically and we're divided politically. Uh, we've used a lot of our weapons, given them to Ukraine. The, we've, we've depleted a lot of our arsenals. Our military can't recruit enough people. 
things are not looking hot for us. And we're heavily focused. Right now, we're so focused on Russia, even as a proxy war, that we're losing a lot of our key resources that we would need to launch a real war. If the Chinese Communist Party were to do something very drastic right now, it would be kind of easy for them to do it especially if Russia were, in fact, to use a low-yield nuclear weapon, or even if, even if Ukraine were to use a low-yield nuclear weapon. If that were to happen, the entire West would be focused on that. And if China did something very drastic at that time, like, for example, try to invade Taiwan, uh, that would be a strategic opening that would have not, not nearly as much repercussion. That's where we are right now. That said, folks, let's jump over exclusively to Epic TV for the rest of this. And, folks, before we jump over, uh, let me show you a quick trailer real quick. So, we actually, uh, right now, as I mentioned, uh, we did an interview with Alex Newman about Obama holdovers. You remember that we were talking about how the Chinese Communist Party set up police offer operations in the United States. According to Alex Newman, a lot of that was able to take place, including Operation Fox Hunt. Because of Obama holdovers who were basically trying to, well, block any action to stop these things. There are some updates with this right now, which is it does appear that there's been some arrests of Chinese agents in the United States. But according to Alex Newman, the reason this was not done sooner is because of these individuals who were maybe ideologically interested in protecting these operations. Folks, let me show you that trailer, then we'll jump exclusively over to Epic TV. The holdovers from the Obama administration were cheerleaders for communist China, cheerleaders for the CCP's uh, growing role in international affairs. Under the Obama administration, the Chinese Communist Party had Operation Fox Hunt, where they were deploying agents on American soil to arrest Chinese dissidents and people they said were guilty of corruption and things like that. During the Trump administration, they were actually battling in, in a hardcore way with these Obama holdovers who were insisting that communist China was great, that we should encourage their penetration of these international institutions, the UN, the Interpol, and so on. And now with the, the Biden administration in power, the, the very same people are back in very senior posts at the State Department. And so I think what we're dealing with here is, is not just naivete. What we're dealing with here is uh, a situation where officials of the U.S. government are deliberately not doing their job. They're deliberately failing to uh, enforce U.S. laws. Folks, again, that's on Epic TV exclusively, and that's how let's jump over exclusively to Epic TV. So, folks, I will see you there. Let's jump over now. All right. Thank you for being here, folks. Let's talk about what's happening now with the Chinese Communist Party and kind of where things are at. So, Blinken, Secretary of State, is now saying that the Chinese Communist Party wants to seize Taiwan on a much faster timeline. Now, Xi Jinping doing something that's never been done before, right? It's unprecedented that the head of the Chinese Communist Party with three terms in office. Um, you could talk, for example, about Mao Zedong, who became leader for life by, by becoming chairman. A lot of people have suggested, as have I, uh, that, that Xi Jinping is walking in the steps of Mao Zedong, that he's taken a lot of the same steps Mao took to become chairman of the Chinese Communist Party. The CCP is divided in such a way where you're not going to have one person in charge of every piece of the party. The military is separate. The security apparatus are separate. Certain economic sectors are separate. The leadership of the party is separate. 
Xi Jinping being just the leader of the party, if he loses the other parts of this, just make him a figurehead. It means nothing. Now, given the situation, Xi Jinping has done something that, the, that no Chinese leader has done previously, unless you talk about Mao Zedong. And he's going to be challenged now with kind of legitimizing his role. How do you legitimize your role? Well, you start fulfilling your promises. You start doing the things you'd said you'd do. And the CCP for a very long time has been talking about defeating the United States, has been talking about, you know, defeating the West, and has been talking about taking Taiwan. And Xi Jinping has made the Taiwan issue, you know, seizing Taiwan by force, possibly, one of his main issues. And he hasn't done it yet. And it looks bad for him. So what might he do? Well, as Blinken is saying, he might seize Taiwan on a much faster timeline. Let me go over this, folks. Epic Times had this story. They said, China's communist regime intends to move against Taiwan on a much faster timeline than previously believed, according to Secretary of State Antony Blinken, who warned that Chinese leader Xi Jinping is determined to wrest control of the self-governing island, potentially by force. It says that Blinken made the remarks on October 17th at an event jointly hosted by the Hoover Institute and Stanford University, alongside former Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice. Further in its states, and this is him saying it now, in many instances that, that poses a challenge to our own interests as well as to our own values. And he argued that the United States is seeking to maintain the post-World War II liberal international order while China aims to impose a profoundly illiberal order on world affairs. If you were to go by Duganism, if you were to go by the way that the Chinese Communist Party and also the, well, the Russian regime view international power structures. They would say that the 20th century was defined by a battle between three different government forces, communism, fascism, and liberal democracy. Now, the liberal democratic system did win. Yes, the United States is a constitutional republic. Many countries in the world that do practice some form of democracy are not constitutional republics. They're just, they're just democracies. Liberal democracy is the, defining, is the defining political system right now. Liberal democracy is the system being promoted by the United States. Liberal democracy is what the United States attempts to implement when it overtakes a country and tries to do a, do a regime change or change their system of government. Now, liberal democracy is what's at risk right now. And what threatens to replace it is just basic communism. Now, if you were to ask me, liberal democracy has its flaws, but it's not nearly as bad as communism. It's not nearly as bad as fascism. And right now, you do have essentially the globalized world order behind liberal democracy, but moving more towards a fascistic type scenario. You can look at the World Economic Forum, the United Nations is really moving towards more of a fascist system. And of course, a lot of the powers that be, uh, including Russia, China, China's heavily involved with them, are also trying to move it more in that direction as well. That's also manifesting in the areas of, well, actual warfare. And there is the belief there's going to be some kind of, you know, final synthesis of global conflict where, for example, we will see a third world war, and where, for example, the Chinese Communist Party and Russia believe they will win this third world war. 
Now, that being said, there's some interesting stuff taking place, and I'm actually trying to wrap my head around it. The Biden administration is starting to take actual kind of strong stances against what they claim is election interference or attempted election interference coming from the Chinese Communist Party. Those of you who are following what took place in the 2020 elections will know that the Biden administration appears to have gotten a lot of help from Chinese-tied organizations. The Chinese Communist Party did have a heavy hand in the 2020 elections, including with some of the groups that redid the voting maps and did a lot of the voting drives, some of the socialist groups, including some of the software and so on that was based out of China, and other things like this. Meaning, folks, that the Chinese Communist Party is kind of well, there's some weird conflict, it seems, around what took place with the CCP's powers over the election systems here and with the Biden administration. And for me, this could mean a few things. For me, this could mean, uh, one, that the Chinese Communist Party does not want Biden to be reelected, does not want Democrats to win. Uh, you can look, for example, at the way that Trump engaged with the Chinese Communist Party diplomatically. Yes, he was very hard on them, but he left the door open for some business deals. Maybe they'd want to roll back the clock. Maybe they want to get someone else in place. Russia, as well, has turned against the Democrats, of course, because of the sanctions and so on. Trump has been saying for a long time that there would not have been a war in Ukraine if he was still in, in office. Trump has been saying for a long time that, you know, he wanted to, it seems, actually try to make some deals with Russia, which would have actually divided to a degree Russia from the Chinese Communist Party. Meaning that the really rough scenarios, including for these countries, has actually gotten worse, interestingly, under the Biden administration. Um, and given the situation, it is things are moving very quickly towards a real war scenario, and things are moving very quickly as well towards these countries becoming less favorable, even towards Biden. And Biden has a lot of ties to the Chinese Communist Party, let's be honest. Now, before I go deeper into this, let's talk first about the election systems. The Hill had an article, and they said that the FBI is warning that Chinese hackers are scanning state political parties. So they're suggesting the CCP might try to interfere in the midterm elections. It says the FBI is warning Democratic and Republican state parties that Chinese hackers are scouring their headquarters for vulnerable systems they could potentially hack ahead of the midterms. Well, maybe, maybe not having those uh, voting machines connected to the Internet would be a good first start to make sure that doesn't happen, but that's beside the point. And it's saying, according to U.S. officials, the Post, Washington Post, spoke to... FBI agents in the field offices have notified several Democratic and Republican headquarters across the country that they might be targets of potential Chinese hacking as the election approaches. Midterm elections coming up in just a few weeks. The officials, however, said that none of the political state parties have been hacked or breached. Now, there was also the arrest of the Connick CEO, one of the companies, one of the Chinese-tied companies, that was it's being accused of having held, um, you know, basically POI, personal, personal identifying information, on Chinese servers. That was a company that was, for example, um, doing a lot of the, having a lot of the data on poll workers, and also allegedly had some channels open where data could be manipulated, maybe in China or elsewhere. 
The CEO of the company has been arrested is one example of this. And also there's new warnings of risks of election fraud. Now it appears that Biden is actually worried or the Biden administration is actually worried the Chinese Communist Party might try to impact the elections. And it's interesting, again, because the CCP was really behind Biden last time. Biden and his family have a lot of ties to the CCP. Biden and Hunter Biden have every, every sign of having been significantly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party. And so it's interesting now there's a break taking place. And as this break takes place, they're taking actions, interestingly, against some of the Chinese Communist Party's influence over our election systems. Now, given this situation, there's something actually pretty big that took place with Connick. The Epic Times reported that election software CEO, the head of Connick, had now surrendered to Los Angeles authorities, and the prosecutors are alleging there was a massive data breach. It says Los Angeles prosecutors on October 14th accused the CEO of a Michigan-based election software company of involvement in a massive data breach affecting at least 1,000 victims, including minors. Eugene Yu, 64 years old, who heads Conic, a company that provides software to electoral districts for the management of poll workers, was charged with the felony crime of embezzlement of public funds. He appeared in Los Angeles County Court on October 14th. The Los Angeles County District Attorney's Office has accused you, Eugene Yu, of stealing personal identifying information of poll workers. The office, the poll, sorry, the office alleged that such data was stored on servers in China in violation of Connick's contract with Los, with Los Angeles County. It says Superior Court of Los Angeles County Judge Victoria Wilson ruled that you be released on a $500,000 bond and remain under house arrest until his next hearing, which is set for November 17th, just after the midterm elections. You was ordered to remain in Los Angeles County and wear an ankle monitor because it appears they're, they're concerned he might try to flee the country or something like this. Now, folks, further in, it states this. Los Angeles County Deputy District Attorney Eric Neff alleged in court that the amount of data involved in the breach was astounding, adding that this is probably the largest breach in the United States history, suggesting this is not just about a thousand records. He said this could be the largest breach in the history of the United States. In Los Angeles alone, there were probably thousands of victims, he said. He said they have, contacts all, they have contracts all over the country. He alleged that many minors' data had been compromised because during the 2020 election, in the midst of the pandemic, the government had encouraged them to work at poll stations so that the elderly, who generally make up a large portion of poll workers, could stay at home. Now, given the situation... There was word of a shift in support. Uh, for, you know, basically the foreign powers that support Biden over Trump appear to be going against Biden as well now, as I discussed a bit. And given that situation, I mean, I'm trying to wrap my head around it too. The Biden administration is actually taking pretty strong stances against the CCP. They're, they're actually taking some strong stances even when it comes to election integrity. They're pulling out some of the roots of things that you and I have known about for a while now. And... Frankly, it looks like they're concerned the Chinese Communist Party might again try to rig the elections, but this time do so in the way that goes against the interests of Biden and the Democrats. It's a very interesting situation.
And I'll emphasize again, the Chinese Communist Party did have pretty strong involvement in some of the stuff to, that took place in 2020. Some of the fraud, some of the voter drives, and some of the illegal activities. The Chinese Communist Party was involved in some things, suggesting that they did play a role in rigging the American elections for Biden in 2020. It's interesting now that the Biden administration is trying to undo some of that. It does suggest that there's been a falling out. And it does suggest that the Biden administration may in fact lose some of its election fraud potential come the midterms and come especially, we'll see, we'll see where things go before 2024, but possibly before then as well. Now, speaking of elections, folks, you know, a lot of people are accusing Biden right now of trying to buy votes, and that includes what he's doing with oil and his quid pro quo with Saudi Arabia. There's even more to this now, but this, this actually is getting to a point where it could start impacting seriously uh, America's basic ability to fight a war. Because right now, the White House is planning to release another 15 million barrels of oil from the U.S. stockpile, the emergency reserves. And they're claiming that they want to try to stop the skyrocketing of gas prices. But folks, this is, this is putting a Band-Aid on a gunshot wound. You've you got to pull the bullet out, and you've got you to you sew it up. You can't put a Band-Aid over it. This is not going to be a long-term solution, just opening up the strategic reserves and pouring stuff in while there's, a supply, while, while there's a shortage of supply. And if the U.S. depletes its strategic reserves, that's, that, that, there goes our ability to fight a war. There goes our ability to move ships and planes and jets and so on and fight a war against China or Russia. If they drain our strategic reserves, things are not going to look good. And as uh, Smiles 101 is noting, we only have 25 days left of diesel. America's running out of diesel. In particular, one of the key ingredients for that as well, that car, the diesel vehicles need to operate. If diesel goes away, folks, there goes American shipping. If diesel goes away, our entire logistic system comes to a screeching halt. If diesel goes away... It doesn't matter what China or Russia does. We're going to have our own problems right here. And Biden is rapidly, rapidly driving the United States towards that very near-term disaster. The Daily Mail says this. They said White House plans to release another 15 million barrels of oil from the U.S. emergency stockpile. And it says that Joe Biden is planning to release up to 15 million barrels of oil from this as he tries to stem soaring gasoline prices. You know, maybe he could just reopen domestic production again because under Trump, America was a net exporter of oil. Maybe we could do that again because that actually worked and it wasn't a short-term solution. But they're not talking about that. They're saying the oil release will be the latest portion of, the, of a deal Biden struck last spring to release 108 million barrels of oil from energy companies. His administration is planning to announce the latest reserve release later this week, according to Bloomberg. Biden said last week gasoline prices are too high and he would have, to, and he would have more to say about lowering the costs this week. If you go by people like Nancy Pelosi, they say gas has always been high price. So... <laughs> Forget your deceptive memory. <laughs> now, remember, again, this comes right after Biden really committed quid pro quo in trying to get Saudi Arabia to open the valves at least until after the midterm elections. 
suggesting that he was trying to pressure Saudi Arabia to provide more oil briefly, just long enough for Democrats to win some votes. He did that very clearly with a political agenda, as was made evident in Saudi Arabia's public letter saying that. Now, the Saudis exposed it, of course, and Biden is now turning to other short-term solutions that could stop gas prices from spiking at least temporarily or at least until people cast their votes in the midterm elections because this is not going to resolve things much longer than that. Now, on that note that this is causing other problems, some of you we discussed, they, their diesel right now is about to run out. We have less than a month of diesel left. And if diesel goes out, that's the, that's the American shipping industry basically dead in the water or stalled on the street, depending on how you look at it. Daily Caller is saying dangerously depleted, and they're saying the U.S. is sending so many weapons to Ukraine that experts are starting to worry. And so in addition to the oil, as I mentioned, yeah, I was also discussing, folks are running out of weapons as well. If China is talking about invading Taiwan, if Russia is talking about the possibility of a nuclear weapon being used in Ukraine, if there's talk about a third world war and a third world war scenario, what's America going to do if we can't power our ships, if we can't move our jets, or if we're out of bombs and weapons and the types of munitions we need to fight a war? What happens if we can't even physically fight a war? The, the global security environment in that case is going to be a free-for-all. It's going to be a total free-for-all because a lot, of, a lot of European countries gutted their militaries and put that money, ironically, into like social welfare and free health care and stuff while trying to name-call the United States for not having that while America fills their defensive roles. America has been playing the role of every military in the world. America has been bankrolling NATO. America has been bankrolling the United Nations. Other countries have basically not built their militaries because they're anticipating the U.S. military to come to their rescue. The defense budget, which is one of the, one of the only, one of the few branches of a legitimate government, if you were to talk about traditional legitimate government, military defense is one of the few things you would actually be spending money on. Many countries in the world don't do that or barely do that because America spends the money for them. We act as their military. If the U.S. military can't fight, that is the defeat of the global, you know, free world military system. If the U.S. military can't fight, it's going to be a free-for-all, folks. A lot of countries just can barely defend themselves at this point, and it's, it's going to be a total free-for-all. Luckily, there was some changes on that under Trump because Trump started making other countries pay their fair share. Japan has begun building up their military. Australia has begun building up their military. The problem with some of that, though, is that it's a few years out still. They're in the process of it, but they're not strong enough now to do a whole lot. They're not built up enough to do a whole lot. Now, given that situation, let me explain to you what's happening with that. Daily Caller said the U.S. needs to seriously invest more in weapons and ammunition if it wants to continue supporting Ukraine and brace for conflict with other great powers, experts told the, the Daily News Caller Foundation. Daily Caller News Foundation. It says, global efforts to support Ukraine's resistance to the Russian invasion have triggered billions in spending to bolster Ukraine's military 
depleting U.S. stocks and raising concerns that the West may cripple its military uh, opposite, the, opposite the rising threat from China. The U.S. will have to dramatically ramp up production or otherwise risk further weakening the U.S. arsenal and adversely affecting America's ability to react to dangers from China and other potential foes, experts told the Daily News, a Daily Caller Foundation. Now, given this, I mentioned that Biden does have significant personal vested interests as well in China because his family has, well, personal vested interests in China, particularly Hunter Biden. And given this, they've gotten some pretty big favors from the Chinese Communist Party that are really unusual for anybody to get, suggesting they've been doing some power plays and suggesting, more importantly, that the CCP believed they could get its hands in their pockets. Now, let me show you this. This is just the news saying this. And just the news says, Biden's family got interest-free, forgivable loan from China, new evidence reveals. If you get an interest-free, you know, forgivable loan, basically, folks, that means that the CCP just gave them money. Because if it's a, forgive, it's a, if it's a forgivable loan, what are you gonna, why, why would you pay it back? It says, President Joe Biden has made waves this fall with his plans to forgive hundreds of billions of dollars of student loans, shifting the burden to taxpayers. But five years earlier, his family cashed in on a zero-interest forgivable loan of its own from an energy component of communist China, according to evidence in the possession of the FBI. It says the loan arrangement confirmed in documents obtained by Just the News and also new information released by Senator Charles Grassley shows the Chinese energy firm CEFC Beijing International Energy Company Limited understood the transaction would benefit Joe Biden's family, referenced as the BD family, Biden, in the emails. But it also was created it also was creating heartburn with its own compliance slash risk management officers. The Chinese company's leaders fully supported the framework of establishing JV, the JV joint venture, based on the trust of the BD Biden family. That's according to a statement in a, on July 26, 2017, in an email from a CEFC official to Tony Bobolinsky, a Hunter Biden business partner at that time. The email was written in part to explain why there had been a delay in getting the money to a firm called Sinohawk, associated with the future president's son and brother, Hunter Biden and James Biden, respectively. In other words, the Biden family did have ties to the Chinese Communist Party, including financial ties to the Chinese Communist Party. Meanwhile, though, it appears the U.S. is getting for a potential war with Russia. And we talked about the Chinese Communist Party basically getting ready for war. The U.S., it appears, is getting ready for war as well. The U.S. Army's 101st Airborne is right now practicing for war with Russia just miles from Ukraine's border. And they say they could deploy onto Russian or Ukraine soil at any minute, essentially. CBS News says the U.S. Army's 101st Airborne Division has been deployed to Europe for the first time in almost 80 years amid soaring tensions between Russia and the American-led NATO military alliance. 
The light infantry unit, nicknamed the Screaming Eagles, is trained to deploy on any battlefield in the world within hours, ready to fight. CBS News joins the, joined the division's deputy commander, Brigadier General John Lubis, and Colonel Edwin Matiadis, commanders, commander of the 2nd Brigade Combat Team, on a Black Hawk helicopter for the hour-long ride to the very edge of NATO territory, only three miles from Romanians' border with Ukraine. Now, it says the Screaming Eagles commander told CBS News repeatedly that they are always ready to fight tonight. And while they're there to defend NATO territory, if the fighting escalates or there's any attack on NATO, they're fully prepared to cross the border into Ukraine. Now, there, this is in context of the fact that you have a few scenarios basically lining up. Russia talking about using nuclear weapons, the West saying that they, well, or saying Ukraine might use nuclear weapons. Maybe Ukraine, even in their own interest at this point, could, could do what Russia said it would do and use a dirty bomb, thereby drawing in Western powers to fight in the war along its side. Any kind of war in history that the U.S. has been pulled into needs a kind of Pearl Harbor or, you know, 9-11 event. The U.S. is like a sleeping giant. It, it doesn't wake up unless some major incident takes place. And it's these major incidents, right, the Pearl Harbors, the 9-11s, that will draw the United States into a war, a major, if it's a major war. If there was a nuclear attack on Ukrainian soil, that would very likely draw the United States into it. That would be the Pearl Harbor. That would be the Lustina. That would be the 9-11. And, of course, they're suggesting they would do it. The unfortunate reality, though, is there's so, there's so much corruption with politics. There's so much dirty business behind the scenes that if, for example, if, for example, there was a nuclear attack on Ukrainian soil, it would almost be just as plausible that Russia did it as it would be plausible that Ukraine did it with the intent of drawing in the, U, the, you know, the U.S. military. And it would actually be against, yeah, against, but I know I just listed a couple of those. Uh, it would actually be in the, it would actually be against the interest of Russia to draw in the West, to draw in the United States. And it would be very much in the interest of Ukraine to draw in the United States. The question is, would they do something like that? Would they do something so dirty to draw in the U.S.? You tell me, folks. You know, it's all up in the air right now. Um, I would say anything is possible right now. But given that, of course, you know, the U.S. is not in a favorable position with the way things are heading. And would the U.S. do that? Well, folks, look, there's imagery now that has been brought up of the destroyed Nord Stream pipeline. And the Nord Stream pipeline, which it was blamed on Russia, there's no, there's no evidence Russia did it. There was evidence that the United States or a Western country did it. The images are now showing a mangled Nord Stream pipeline and done in a way that does suggest that it may have been done with an attack. They're saying done with extreme force is the, the way they're describing it. And they're saying extraordinary first images of a mangled, this is um, Daily Mail, extraordinary first images of a mangled Nord Stream pipeline have emerged three weeks after it was blown up with extreme force in a suspected act of sabotage 
Footage released on Tuesday showed at least 165 feet of the Nord Stream 1 pipeline was destroyed or buried under the seabed following the explosion on September 26, assumed by many to have been a Russian attack or a Ukrainian attack or U.S. attack. It's not clear what. There's no evidence Russia did it other than plausibly being able to do it. That, that, was, the sole, just, that was the sole analysis. And it says, release of the images came as Danish police said powerful explosions were behind the damage to the two gas pipelines, Nord Stream 1 and 2, in the Danish part of the Baltic Sea on October 6. It's saying Swedish investigators said their own initial investigations had come to a similar conclusion. Sorry about the loud noise, folks. So what does that mean? Nord Stream 1 and Nord Stream 2 were destroyed simultaneously by explosive devices. And those were not these powerful explosions. Uh, you're not going to have simultaneously two separate pipelines have powerful explosions simultaneously uh, under natural circumstances. Not that in, in any plausible way I can think of, folks. Now, given this, one more point, then we'll go in, we're going to go into questions in a little bit, but I want to wrap up what's happening with China. There's a few big things happening right now. One, the Chinese economy is tanking. The Chinese economy is falling to pieces. At the same time, too, the Department of Justice is, in fact, going after some of these Chinese agents on U.S. soil. Furthering what I was talking about, uh, suggesting that the Biden administration does look like it's turning against the CCP in some ways right ahead of the midterm elections. Homeland Security Today is saying this, folks. One sec. Homeland Security Today is saying that the Department of Justice charged 13 people, including Chinese spies, in international extra-legal reparation operations called Fox Hunt. Those of you who turned in on my episode talking about Chinese police operations on the United States know that this was in fact taking place. There were reports that the Chinese Communist Party had built police, police departments on American soil, including in New, York, in New York, I don't know if it's New York City, but including in New York. Part of that, as I discussed, was tied to Operation Fox Hunt, which is a program under the Chinese Communist Party to try to force Chinese nationals to return to China to face trial, either by threatening their families or by trying to threaten them in ways to convince them to commit suicide. Now, several individuals as part of Operation Fox Hunt were just arrested. Homeland Security Today says in three separate cases in the U.S. Attorney's offices for the Eastern District of New York and District of New Jersey, it says the Department of Justice has charged 13 individuals, including members of the People's Republic of China, PRC, security and intelligence apparatus, and their agents for alleged efforts to unlawfully exert influence in the United States for the benefit of the government of the Chinese Communist Party, the PRC. And the Eastern District of New York aided eight, an eight-count indictment was unsealed on October 20th, charging seven PRC nationals, Chinese nationals, two of whom were arrested on October 20th in New York, while participating in a scheme to cause the forced reparation of a PRC national residing in the United States. The defendants are accused of conducting surveillance and of engaging in a campaign to harass and coerce a U.S. resident to return to China as part of an international extra-legal reparation effort known as Operation Fox Hunt. 
Other charges as well of very similar nature, including individuals as part, who are part of the Ministry of State Security, intelligence officers, so on, folks. Now, what is happening with that? Basically, it looks like this may have been the police office because as we noted previously, the Chinese Communist Party says, says it built a police office in the United States. They have three in Canada. They have many operating in other places. As I noted my own personal work, I have personally exposed many of these networks, and many of these networks have previously threatened to kill me. Uh, I've been engaged on the forefront of you know, exposing this stuff going back to 2008. Sorry about the noise, folks. One, one, of the, one of the joys of the suburb is the trash man coming by during the day. Sorry about that. Again, I'm traveling right now, and uh, I'm, I'm in, I'm in, a, I'm in a, an undisclosed suburb of, of America. All right. Folks, going further into this, though, let's talk about what's happening on a deeper level. Because as we mentioned, Xi Jinping has it in his interest right now to, in fact, start a war, to, in fact, try to take Taiwan on an accelerated timeline. And he has to prove himself. He has to prove that he has strength. He has to kind of demonstrate his authority. And also, right now, the Chinese Communist Party is in a very, very bad scenario financially. After Xi Jinping secured his third term in office, the Chinese economy tanked. Uh, the Chinese stock market dropped. And this is in addition to the fact the Biden administration actually, actually took some pretty strong initiatives against the CCP. The Biden administration has actually been taking some pretty strong moves against the CCP recently. I mean, a surprising, for me, a surprisingly, um, uh, surprisingly strong moves, actually. One of these is a new semiconductor ban, and Benzinga is saying China's semiconductor industry was decapitated overnight. Folks, this is going to have some repercussions for us here, but in my opinion, this is, this is worthwhile repercussions. These are semiconductors. These are the chips in your computers. These are the chips in your cars. Uh, the Chinese Communist Party was trying to develop these and build their own, and these are essential pieces in the entire Chinese Communist Party's high-tech industry. The Biden administration just decapitated the CCP's high-tech industry. Trump did start this. You know, Trump, of course, set, set these in motion. They just did the, fi the finishing blow. The Chinese economy is about to tank, folks. And it says the Biden administration unveiled a comprehensive strategy last week to move the U.S. forward and hold China back in the production of advanced semiconductors, virtually eliminating China's semi-industry uh, semi overnight, escalating the high-tech battle with Beijing. They're saying every American executive and engineer working in China's semiconductor manufacturing industry resigned yesterday, paralyzing China's manufacturing overnight. That was a Twitter user translated from uh, by the Rhodium Group analyst, one of them. And it says further, one round of sanctions from Biden did not did more damage than all four years of performative sanctioning under Trump. And Frankly, folks, that's actually kind of true. Remember that Trump, Trump up until the pandemic, was trying to make deals with the CCP. He put the pressure on them for a bit. He banned their chips for a bit 
He took that pressure off, right? Biden just finalizes. Biden just hit the nail in the coffin. And the CCP is going to be furious. The CCP, and maybe this is why they're trying to stop China from interfering with the elections now, the CCP will try to interfere with America's elections now to try to end this because they just decapitated the CCP's high-tech industry. In my opinion, this is a great move. I, I actually, I, I'm, I'm very impressed they did this. But this is going to have a lot of implications. Now that the CCP can't get these, what does that mean? Well, where, has, where, where, do, where do you have the manufacturing capability for these chips? South Korea and Taiwan. And they may try to take Taiwan, if nothing else, than to take the chip industry there. But, um, of course, they'd have to take the personnel as well. Now, they've been trying to build up a TSMC, which is a Taiwanese chip manufacturer, trying to build up a TSMC facility in the United States, actually in Arizona. It's actually been Republicans blocking that because they were going to give the jobs to Australians. And Republicans said, why are we building this if, if Americans aren't going to get the jobs? Uh, but right now, basically, the world is going to need chips. Chips are going to be the big thing. We need them for our smartphones. We need them for our computers. We need them for our cars. Prices are going to start going up very high without them. And it's not that they're gone. It's just that the supply is going to be very limited. And, of course, critical infrastructure, critical systems are going to take precedent in terms of who should get them. Now, given this, Yangtze Memory Technologies Co., a company owned by China and 30 semiconductor companies in China, have been put on the unverified list by the Bureau of Industry and Security, a division of the U.S. Department of Commerce. Sanctions imposed by the Biden administration have also prevented businesses from sending cutting-edge processors required to run or train the most efficient AI algorithms in China. That's artificial intelligence systems. The extensive new regulations are intended to keep China's AI industry, artificial intelligence industry, in the Stone Age as the U.S. and other Western nations advance. A major blow to the Chinese Communist Party. And one more point on this is that ahead of their party Congress, the Chinese Communist Party actually delayed releasing economic data as they were moving forward with it. And as we saw on the international market, the stock market dropped after Xi Jinping got his third term, suggesting that businesses don't believe it's going to be in their interest to stay in China, and investors don't seem to believe so either. Even BlackRock Investment is losing a ton of money in China. BlackRock Investment, folks, is taking a nosedive with its, with its, it's with its investments in China. And it, honestly, that's going to be a bad thing for a lot of folks here who have pensions and so on, because they were, of course, taking your money and investing it in China, and they're losing it. Now, it says China delayed the release of economic data indicators scheduled for publication this week, including its third quarter gross domestic product data due on Tuesday, according to an updated calendar on the Statistics Bureau website. Now, this is, of course, nonsense because the CCP basically does the same growth model every single year. 3.4% growth, 3.4% growth. Every year, it's 3.4% growth, no matter what the actual data suggests. A lot of people have noted that the Chinese economy works like a giant Ponzi scheme. 
And of course, companies either knowingly or unknowingly pour your money into it, burn it to the ground, and then, and then walk off rich before the disaster strikes. It's not looking good, folks, for the CCP, but that's a great thing for the free world, let's just be honest. Now, given that situation, you are going to see the CCP become a lot more aggressive. Uh, but it's, it's an aggression that's been defanged to some extent. It's an aggression that's not, not as powerful as it could have been. But given the situation right now, as countries begin to face real crisis, the possibility of a war in, in, in localized attempts to resolve the localized crisis is actually getting pretty significant. All right, folks, that said, let's jump into questions and... Um, yeah, let's, get, let's jump into questions. As I mentioned, too, you know, Xi Jinping, after he came into power for his third term, the Chinese stock market crashed. Um, but I, you know, I need to go further into that. All right, if you have questions, leave them in the chat now. Let's see here. Lisa asks, you're saying, could these arrests be symbolic? You're saying, seems like the Biden administration is in Xi Jinping's pocket. So would they really act against China in a big way? Well... Yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm running this through my head as well lately because it, when I saw them go after the Connick CEO, when I saw them start to take stronger moves against the CCP, when I saw the FBI begin making official announcements, warning about China, trying to hack our elections and so on, it seemed very strange because, I mean, look, I, I did a lot of work, investigations into election fraud in 2020. I know the CCP was heavily involved with that. And I know that heavy involvement helped Biden. The one thing that made me think, I can tell you my theory, right? This is purely my analysis. My theory is this. There were some interesting headlines that came out that for me were very interesting. Uh, that basically, that Russia was starting to, Russia was basically starting to take a much stronger stance specifically against the Biden administration. Russia, of course, has always been kind of against the Democrats to an extent, but not really. They have a funny relationship. Let's go back in time. When Obama was still president, you might remember this very famous image where Hillary Clinton, as Secretary of State, is holding this button, this big red button, and I believe it said like uh, start or new start or something like that. They were saying, or reset, they, they said they wanted to reset U.S.-Russian diplomacy. It was the great reset of U.S.-Russian diplomacy, and the, Bi the, Bi sorry, the Obama administration, when Biden was vice president, was at the forefront of that. Hillary Clinton led some of it, and Hillary Clinton, as Bill Clinton was doing speaking engagements and making tons of money, was also clearing the way for Russia to get control of global energy, including of American nuclear energy, because, again, uh, what that led to was a selling off of Uranium One to Russia. America's energy independence was lost under the Obama administration, sold off to, sold off to Russia. Interestingly, as a time, interestingly, as a t at a time, um, when, you know, they, they knew about this, there was U.S. intelligence even publicly published at the time, warning that Russia was planning to gain control of global energy as a way to exert global power, political power. The Obama administration let that happen. They moved forward with it. 
Fast forward as well, Obama was making pretty close ties to the Chinese Communist Party. Um, he started having a fallout with the CCP as well. His jet landed in China. They made him through error walk out of the butt of the airplane, which was very symbolic for the CCP. They were insulting Obama. They made him look like a fool. Things were falling apart in terms of their relationships. Joe Biden has have, then, then, of course, Trump comes in. And Trump basically is, is held back a lot through the Trump-Russia scandal. Russia is portrayed, interestingly, by the Democrats as being like the devil and the evil power in the world and the new Hitler and all this stuff. And Trump's like the, the evil Cheeto working with them. You know, that, that's the way the Democrats framed the whole thing. Um, given that situation, the U.S. was prevented from making any kind of peace with Russia, any kind of deals with Russia, because anything of that sort would have been taken by the Democrats and used probably to try to impeach Trump, very likely, because they did try to impeach him twice, used to try to impeach him, arguing that he had personal vested interests and he was suspected of working with them and making any deals could be seen as like a quid pro quo or something like that. He was relatively not that hard on the Chinese Communist Party up until the pandemic, when because up until then he was trying to make trade deals with the CCP and renegotiate trade deals. Pandemic hit, Trump took a very strong stance. A lot of the sanctions stayed in place. And now the Biden administration is actually strengthening those. Joe Biden, at the time when Obama was president, uh, Biden was, of course, wheeling and dealing with China. Hunter Biden left with very large business deals because Hunter Biden was traveling with Joe Biden. So Joe Biden had very close ties with the Chinese Communist Party. Hunter Biden not only has close ties, he has close business ties with the Chinese Communist Party. He was in their pocket as far as the CCP would be concerned. At the same time, Joe Biden was, of course, vice president during this whole New START treaty with Russia. Biden was VP at the time, and so they were, of course, working very closely with Russia. The caveat with that is that Biden was basically assigned to Ukraine. Biden was the Ukraine guy. And, of course, a lot of stuff fell, to, fell apart because the U.S. sponsored a color revolution in Ukraine because Ukraine used to be basically an extension of Russia, including of their government and so on. So, uh, you know, backed a color revolution, George Soros tied individuals and so on. Color revolution takes place. They put their new little puppet in place, Zelensky. Anyways, they put in place Zelensky, and Zelensky, of course, changed the dynamics. He made Ukraine really much more separate in identity from Russia. If you meet people in eastern Ukraine, they call themselves Russian. I know, I know many of them personally, and I used to make fun of them for it. <laughs> because yeah, I'm like, I'm like, you're Ukrainian. They're like, no, no, I'm Russian. I'm like, you're Ukrainian. Like, no, like, whatever. In the, in the east of Ukraine, a lot of them do identify like that. It's, it's, it, it's interesting. Zelensky comes in, starts separating Ukraine in terms of identity away from Russia and towards the West, right? That was the big shift. Russia gets very unhappy about that. They've been wanting to, of course, try to move and retake Ukraine and so on. Eventually, they finally do it. And here we are now. What does that mean for Obama, the Obama faction, including Biden? What does that mean for Trump? Well, it's interesting now that, of course, Russia and China signed a no limits agreement in terms of defense. 
Russia and China have been very closely aligned. Biden, after coming into office, did not get rid of the sanctions that Trump had placed on the Chinese Communist Party, suggesting that the Biden administration was keeping in place a lot of the a lot of the pressure that Trump started, meaning that Biden did not actually clear the way for the CCP, maybe how they would have anticipated he would. At the same time, even though Biden was technically on the forefront of Obama's new START treaty with Russia, even though he was at the forefront of Ukraine when Ukraine was basically part of Russia, even though he was in that role, um, after Ukraine broke from Russia, Biden was the Ukraine guy. Biden is close to Ukraine, not to Russia. And if Ukraine is separate from Russia, that's a very separate system. Given the situation, you have a breaking taking place where even the Democrats are breaking away from Russia and China to an extent. Now, given you do have some international powers and you do have a lot of inherent corruption, especially when you're dealing with, for example, uh, the fact that, you know, frankly, Hunter Biden is heavily invested in China and a lot of these people, including BlackRock, have heavy ties to China. There's a there's a decoupling taking place. And this decoupling is getting worse as the surface conflicts get worse. And as this happens as well, you're seeing this hap you're seeing this fight begin to take place on the voting front. Now, given that, would would Xi Jinping be interested in helping Trump win? Would she, would would Vladimir Putin be interested in helping Trump win? Probably not. I doubt they would at this point. Um, it's very, I, I, I don't know who they would back if they could get their hands into our election systems at this point. Um, I'd have, I think we'd have to see who the candidates are, but I don't think they'd back anybody at this point. I think their interest would be more destabilizing efforts. And given that situation, it does appear the Biden administration is trying to get rid of some of the internal networks the CCP does have into our election system. That, that's how I'm interpreting things. You know, that's, of course, my analysis based on how I'm viewing things based on history and based on what we saw up, up until now. That, that's how I'm seeing it, at least right now. But I'm, I'm still kind of developing my analysis because I'm just want, I'm still watching things unfold. So take it for what it's worth, you know. Seymour Butts, you're saying, yes, whatever happened to the idea that China wanted to get us into six wars and then they would attack? I think it was four wars. Um, that being said, I, I have a documentary coming out on this in a couple of weeks. It's, it's in the final stages of, we're, we're just doing some final edits on it. We did the premiere actually in Washington a couple of weeks ago. It's, it's going to be called The Final War. And it's about how the Chinese Communist Party does have war plans against the United States. What those war plans are, what they look like, who is behind them, the details of them, what we're watching suggesting it's being carried out right now before our eyes. Um, again, that's going to be called The Final War. It's going to be out soon. And I do talk about this point specifically, that the Chinese Communist Party believes it needs to get the U.S. involved in four separate wars. Remember, folks, the nature of the U.S. military is, you know, America's a big country. Basically, we have two full, well, we have several branches, but two whole militaries. The belief with the United States is that we should not be able to just defeat one country. America should be able to simultaneously fight two full-scale wars simultaneously and win. East Coast and West Coast. 
that we can take on, for example, the Nazis and we can take on the Japanese, like we, like we did in World War II, right? Two-front war and America can win. The CCP believes that they need to get the U.S. involved not in two fronts, but on four fronts. There needs to be four different wars going on and the U.S. needs to be engaged in all four of them. And only then could the CCP take moves that could potentially defeat the United States. That's what they believe. And so they are actively trying to do this. They're actively trying to get the U.S. engaged in multiple wars. Uh, John Bates, you're saying, Josh, that's a common tactic by communists. Remember when the international bankers went against the Federal Reserve Act to make the public think it was good, it worked and it was passed. Yeah. Well, if you go back, to, great book on this would be The Creature from Jekyll Island by Mr. Griffin. I, 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 re, I very much like that book. It's very well done. It's written like a mystery novel, actually. And it's true that sometimes you'll have groups pretend they're against something, while in reality they're either behind it or they're backing it. If you remember when the Federal Reserve Act was, was about to be passed, um, individuals like J.P. Morgan, uh, like Mr. Warburg representing the Rothschild family, for example, when they met secretly on Jekyll Island, and began their discussions about how to create the Federal Reserve, which would essentially be an organization that just institutionalizes usury, essentially is what it does, and makes it so that banks can give very risky loans and get paid back, you know, get paid back by this, by the Federal Reserve. You know, the Federal Reserve will bail out the banks and the American, Americans have to shoulder the money to bail out the banks in the form of inflation. The government can spend retarded amounts of money, and they basically hide that by, by doubling the amount of money in circulation or so on, reducing the value of currency, which is a hidden tax, basically ripping you off, taking half your money, while making it appear you have the same amount of money. It's, 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 it's an organization that institutionalized usury. Now, there were key members of the Senate who were blocking that from happening, J.P. Morgan, I believe it was, invited them on a, on a fancy ride in the Titanic. And he was supposed to ride in the Titanic that day, but got sick, it didn't feel well. And then lo and behold, the Titanic sank. What a, what a tragedy. And the main people who opposed the creation of the Federal Reserve died on the Titanic. In fact, died very heroically. Yeah, folks, it was, um, it was a very unfortunate development in history and did allow the Federal Reserve to take over and created what is probably one of the most corrupt institutions on earth, maybe next to any kind of communist party. Keep in mind, too, that the Communist Manifesto talks about the need for centralized banking. A lot of people argue on whether, a lot of people argue on whether communism would support the centralized banks. Communism supports the centralized banks. Karl Marx talked about it directly, folks. Because it allows them, it allows them to make their, to create money out of thin air. It allows them to rip people off in very subtle ways that you do not see on the surface. If you have 20 bucks in your pocket, you always think you have 20 bucks in your pocket. If inflation doubles, technically that 20 bucks is reduced in value by half. Your $20 is worth $10. And it can happen without you ever knowing because the number on the, on the dollar bill looks exactly the same. That's how this stuff works. It's, it's incredibly corrupt. 
But in, and, and if you look at the history of the Federal Reserve, they're supposed to try to reduce like, you know, volatility in the markets. More often than not, they end up causing the problems. More often than not, the Federal Reserve, at the very least, has done nothing to stop the problems. More often than not, their interventionist policies cause more harm than good. And frankly, it should be abolished, in my opinion. All right, folks, that said, um, tune in tomorrow. It's going to be a great episode as well, 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time. Uh, again, I'm on, on, I'm on semi-vacation right now, but doing the show just like normal. Um, folks, also, I'm going to be having my documentary coming up pretty soon. It's called The Final War. This one's been in the works, I think, about two years now. A lot of work on this one. A lot of work went into this one. This is technically part two of the virus documentary I did at the beginning of the pandemic. It's the same team involved with it. Fantastic people, fantastic researchers. Um, I'm hoping to make this like the, the magnum opus of China documentaries. This documentary will tell you essentially everything you need to know about the CCP, everything they've been doing beneath the scenes, everything going on that you have not been told about is going to be in this documentary when it comes to the Chinese Communist Party. Um, I really hope it has a big impact. I'll have some updates on that soon. Again, we're putting the final touches on it, and hopefully we'll have the release sometime mid-November. That said, folks, tune in tomorrow. Look forward to seeing you all there. Uh, please also share this video. Help us get the word out. And folks, as always, please take care of yourselves, stay informed, and stay free. Thank you.